Chapter Forty One of the Secret Service by Albert Richardson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Casper. Chapter Forty One. I am not a Stefano, but a cramp, the tempest. Let every man shift for all the rest, and let no man take care for himself, for all is but fortune. The Tempest The barn contained no fodder except damp husks. Burrowing into these, we wrapped our dripping coats about us, covered ourselves, faces and all, and shivered through the day, so weary that we drowsed a little, but too uncomfortable for any refreshing slumbers. Rising at dark, with skins irritated by atoms of husk which had penetrated our clothing, we combed out our matted hair and beards, a very faint essay toward making our toilets. Hats, gloves, handkerchiefs, and haversacks were hopelessly lost in the fodder. Hungry, cold, rheumatic, aching at every joint, we seemed to have exhausted our slender endurance. But a walk of ten minutes took us to a slave cabin, where, as usual, we found devoted friends. The old negro killed two chickens, and then stood outside to watch and warn us of the patrols, should he hear the clattering hoofs of their approaching horses. His wife and daughter cooked supper while we stood before the blazing logs of the wide-mouthed fireplace to dry our steaming garments. It was the first dwelling I had entered for nearly twenty months. It was rude almost to squalor but it looked more palatial than the most elegant and luxurious saloon. There was a soft bed, with clean, snowy sheets. How I envied those negroes, and longed to stretch my limbs upon it and sleep for a month. There were chairs, a table, plates, knives and forks, the commonest comforts of life, which, like sweet cold water, clean clothing, and pure air, we never appreciate until once deprived of them. We eagerly devoured the chickens and hot cornbread, and drank steaming cups of green tea, which our ebony hostess, unfamiliar with the beverage that cheers but not inebriates, prepared under my directions. Before starting I had taken the precaution to fill a pocket with tea, which I had been saving more than a year for that purpose. In commercial parlance, tea was tea in the confederacy the last pound we purchased for daily use cost us one hundred and twenty seven dollars in rebel currency and we were compelled to send to wilmington before we could obtain it even at that price it is an article little used by the southerners who are inveterate coffee drinkers all along our route we found the women white and black ignorant of the art of making tea without instructions Captain Wolfe assured us that his father had once attended a log-rolling in South Carolina, where, as a rare and costly luxury, the host regaled the workers with tea at the close of their labors. But, unacquainted with its use, they were only presented with the boiled leaves to eat. After this novel banquet, one old lady thus expressed the views of the rural assembly, "'Wall, I never tasted this before,' it is pleasant enough but except for the name of it i don't consider tea a bit better than any other kind of greens 
experience on the great plains and among the rocky mountains had taught me the superiority of tea over all stronger stimulants in severe protracted hardships now it proved of inestimable service to us after a two hours halt refreshed by food and dry clothing we seemed to have a new lease of life elastic and vigorous we felt equal to almost any labor my god bless you said the old woman bidding us adieu while earnest sympathy shone from her own and her daughter's eyes and illumined their dark faces to us they were black and comely too the husband led us to the railroad and there parted from us at midnight we were twenty-three miles from salisbury and three from statesville we wished to avoid the latter village and leaving the railway which ran due west turned further northward in two miles we expected to strike the wilkesboro road at allison's mill we followed the old negro's directions as well as possible but soon suspected that we must be off the route it was bitterly cold and to avoid suffering we walked on and on with great rapidity before daylight at a large plantation we wakened a slave and learned that since leaving the railway we had travelled twelve miles circuitously and gained just one half mile on the journey there were two allison's mills and our black friend had directed us to the wrong one can you conceal us here to-day we asked in a whisper of the negro who gave us this information from his bed in a little cabin i reckon so master is a terrible war man a confederate officer and would kill me if he were to find it out but i kept a sick yankee captain here last summer for five days and then he went on go to the barn and hide and i will see you when i come to father the horses we found the barn groped our way up into a hayloft under the eaves and buried ourselves in the straw five thursday december twenty second the biting wind whistled and shrieked between the logs of the barn and cover ourselves as we would it was too cold for sleep the negro an intelligent young man spent several hours with us asking questions about the north brought us ample supplies of food and a bottle of apple brandy purloined from his master's private stores at dark he took us into his quarters only separated by a narrow lane from the planter's house and we were warmed and fed a dozen of the blacks including little boys and girls of ten and twelve years visited us there among them was a peculiarly intelligent mulatto woman of twenty-five comely and neatly dressed the poor girl interrogated us for an hour very earnestly about the progress of the war its probable results and the feeling and purposes of the north touching the slaves using language with rare propriety she impressed me as one who would willingly give up life for her unfortunate race with culture and opportunity she would have been an intellectual and social power in any circle she was the wife of a slave but her companions told us that she had been compelled to become the mistress of her master she spoke of him with intense loathing by this time we had learned that every black face was a friendly face 
so far as fidelity was concerned we felt just as safe among the negroes as if in our northern homes male or female old or young intelligent or simple we were fully assured they would never betray us someone has said that it needs three generations to make a gentleman heaven only knows how many generations are required to make a free man but we have been accustomed to consider this perfect trustworthiness this complete loyalty to friends a distinctively saxon trait the very rare degree to which the negroes have manifested it is an augury of brightest hope and promise for their future it is a faint indication of what they may one day become with justice time and opportunity they were always ready to help anybody opposed to the rebels union refugees confederate deserters escaped prisoners all received from them the same prompt and invariable kindness but let a rebel soldier on his way to the army or returning from it apply to them and he would find but cold kindness the moment they met us they would do whatever we required upon impulse and instinct but afterward when there was leisure for conversation they would question us with some anxiety few had ever seen a yankee before they would repeat to us the bugbear stories of their masters about our whipping them to force them into the union army and starving their wives and children professing utterly to discredit these reports they still desired a little reassurance we can never forget their upturned eager eyes and earnest faces happily we could tell them that the nation was rising to the great principles of freedom education and an open career for every human being starting at ten o'clock tonight we had an arduous march over the rough frozen ground hard labor and loss of sleep began to tell on us i think every member of the party had his mental balance more or less shaken davis was haggard with bloodshot eyes junius was pallid and threatened with typhoid fever wolf with a sprained ankle could barely limp i was weak and short of breath from the pneumonic affection charlie thurston was our best foot and we always put him foremost with his confederate uniform and his ready invention he could play a rebel soldier admirably toward morning we were compelled to stop build a fire in the dense pine forest and rest for an hour we were uncertain about the roads and just before daylight charlie stopped to make inquiries of an old farmer then we went on and as the road was very secluded we were talking with less discretion than usual when a twig snapped behind us instantly turning around we saw the old man following stealthily listening to our conversation we ordered him to halt but he ran away with wonderful agility for a septuagenarian the moment he was out of sight we left the road and ran too in an opposite direction fast as our tired limbs could carry us it would be a very nice point to determine which was the more frightened we or our late pursuer we afterward learned that he was an unrelenting rebel and a zealous home guard he was doubtless endeavoring to follow us to our shelter that he might bring out his company and capture us during the day long after daylight we continued running until we had put five miles between ourselves and the road 
the region was very open and it seemed morally certain that we would be discovered through the barking dogs at some of the farmhouses but about nine o'clock we halted in a pine grove small but thick and built a great fire of rails which being very dry emitted little smoke there was danger that the blaze would be discovered but in our feeble condition we could no longer endure the inclemency of the weather six friday december twenty third hungry and fatigued with our feet to the fire we could sleep an hour at a time upon the frozen ground before the cold awakened us when after a waiting which seemed endless the welcome darkness came at last it lifted a load from our hearts we no longer listened anxiously for the coming of the guard starting again we toiled on with slow and painful steps we were entering a region where slaves were few and we could find no negroes junius in a high fever was so weak that we were almost compelled to carry him and his voice was faint as the wail of an infant again and again he begged us to go on and leave him to rest upon the ground we had sore apprehensions that it might become necessary to commit him to the first friends we could find and press forward without him about eight o'clock charlie entered a little tavern to procure provisions he assumed his favorite character of a rebel soldier on parole going to his home in wilkes county for the holidays an old man was spending the night there while supper was cooking he gave to charlie a recognizing sign of the sons of america it was instantly answered and stepping outside they had an interview then our new friend stealthily led his three mules from the tavern stable through the fields to the road placed three of us upon them and guided us five miles to the house of his brother another strong union man the brother warmed us fed us and stayed us with flagons of apple brandy then brought out two of his mules and again we pressed forward they cautioned us not to entrust the secret of their assistance to any one reminding us that it would be a hanging matter for them so on this cold winter night while we were so stiff and exhausted that we could barely keep our seats on the steeds they had so thoughtfully furnished these kind friends conducted us fifteen miles and left us in the union settlement we were seeking fifty miles from salisbury End of chapter forty one